And if you do that, you can't do it at the release time anymore, right? Because because this becomes like too late in the life cycle, right? And and you can't also like release note it. You can't say, oh, I have like 200 critical vulnerabilities, 500 highs. And yeah, I'm, I'm just release noting it. And customer will be like, no, I'm happy with what I have. I don't need your new features. Go and fix the security vulnerabilities first, right? Welcome to the DevSec for Scale podcast, the show that makes security a first-class citizen for growing companies. My name is Jeremy Hess, Head of Developer Relations at Achilles, the secrets management SaaS platform. This interview podcast brings security experts and practitioners together to offer practical and actionable ways for small and growing companies to implement security best practices using shift left principles without interrupting developer life cycles. Welcome back everyone to the DevSec for Scale podcast. My name is Jeremy Hess, Head of Developer Relations at Achilles. And today I have a really great guest. His name is Harshit Chatalia, and he's the CTO and founder or co-founder of Tromso. And Tromso is a really cool startup, actually trying to do something similar uh, to what we're trying to do as a podcast and as a community. Of course, you're doing it with a product. We're just doing it with a community. Um, And I'm sure you have a community as well that you're building. But uh, the idea being a product that enables developers to ensure that they are uh, implementing security into their daily development practices. And it's really cool to see more companies uh, focusing on the security aspect. So thanks, you, thanks Harshit for joining me today. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here and, and really looking forward to this. Really cool. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of uh, interesting topics here. Uh, and before we get into more about that and a little bit about you and the company, let's get right into it. What would you say is a way to keep uh, feature velocity uh, in a product, but making sure that security is is done properly? Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question, right? Because um, everybody wants to do something about security, right? Um, but they don't know where to start, or even if they know, then how, how do they keep on going with it, right? So um, what we've learned through both my experience as well as talking to like, Uh, other security founders, as well as security leaders from organizations like Google and Airbnb, Netflix, right? They all share these these things that have worked with them and and also like how things have worked or evolved even in small startups, right? Um, If you look at it, security has evolved uh, in the last 10 years quite a bit, right? We started with the whole firewall security where everything was... um, you know, like going through a VPN. So within within your access, like everybody had access to everything, right? Then we started with all those zero trust initiatives. Uh, today, what we are is what I kind of call it, like everything software security, right? What I mean by that is now your network is software, your infrastructure is software, right? Because you're coding everything up, right? You're coding infrastructure, you no longer configure a Cisco box, you actually configure AWS load balancers, right? Um, You are managing all your secrets, right? It's no longer like how it used to be done earlier. And and today, if I look at any any product, right? It doesn't have to be even just like a small startup, but but even like big companies, developers are writing only 30% of the code, right? The rest of it is coming in through dependencies and other products that you're using, right? Like pretty much everybody is using Redis. Everybody is using MongoDB. So then any vulnerabilities or any security incidents happening in any of those services are also affecting you, right? So then with keeping all of this thing in mind, 
how do you go about securing and and moving fast because at the end of the day a customer is not going to pay you money because your thing is secure i mean it's just a baseline right they assume since you're pro- providing a product or a service it is secure but they're going to pay you for features right so you need to ship fast you need to stay ahead of your competition and uh, as well as make it secure so how do you do that right so to do it like it it's essentially like i would say people product our technology and process right like how do you kind of manage all of these three things together and create a program that that envisions that that you could go ahead and build a good solid security program is is the key essential thing right if you just do one thing and not the other then it won't work right so you have to do all three of them so that that it kind of stays um stays well so we can start with like technology right like how can you kind of make changes and and things that that are now available for you right like may may not be available let's say 3 years before this but today you can use all of that right so so basic things like for example checking for vulnerabilities and dependencies right so github has a simple tool called dependabot right you can basically enable that in every pr right it automatically scans for it so it is giving you those notifications in real time similarly for like secret scanning right so you have secret scanning that you can do on a pr by pr basis you can go to the other extreme and you make it part of your git hooks itself so it's no longer even in the pr like you can go and this is what we call about shifting left right like you can actually shift left to the extreme that developers even before they are pushing code just in their ide they are able to kind of have this in process right and so so you have all these different layers of these tools that you can use them now it's when when all these tools came into play that the typical thing was okay we'll deploy everything in production then a security engineer will go and test this right if you do that it's it's too late right you're deploying to production today three times a day earlier you used to do it like once in six months now so at that time that was fine you had a central security team they could iterate through all the different products and and make things work right now they have no idea if you deployed let's say a new code repo and and actually you know pushed it to production like one of our customers has 3500 repos they are just 200 engineers in the in the organization how do you think that the security team even knows which out of the 3500 are deployed to production they just don't right so they have no visibility on like scanning or or like how many vulnerabilities are there so the goal here is to kind of get to a point where things are automated you have visibility from the tech perspective that you are doing all these basic things you are monitoring your crown jewels as we kind of call them and making sure that you have a way to kind of monitor it uh, day in day out then the second thing comes in terms of like people right so how do you motivate your engineers to kind of really go ahead and and be upright about security less yes i want to fix security vulnerabilities because what happens is that they get paid to fix bugs and they get paid even more to kind of um, you know ship features but if if an engineer comes to you and tells you oh i spent all my day in fixing this vulnerability you will be like why are you wasting your time right so it's a culture thing right and if you don't have that culture of like security becomes everybody's responsibility then then that 
is going to be really difficult to kind of foster that kind of, uh, you know, um, that teamwork to kind of make this thing happen. Right. And, and it cannot come out as like a top down approach. Oh, now we have hundred critical uh, bugs. So let's stop doing everything and like go and fix this because you will never go out of it. Right. Like it will always be like every six months, you'll have to do that hammer work. And by that time, that six months, your code is sitting out there wonderful, like a duck, right? Like you can basically get hacked many times. So, so then like, how do you embed some of these things, right? It could be through like education, like, you know, workshops that you could do about training people about security, like secure software development. At the same time, having some things like, you know, pretty much I would say every developer I know, I mean, this is a big generalization, but every developer is a gamer, right? At the end of the day. So how can you go ahead and gamify some of these things? Like have leaderboards, right? Give out rewards based on like how many people are like reviewing and finding security vulnerabilities at the same time, fixing those vulnerabilities, right? So there's a lot that can be done through culture. And then finally, it's it's like a process, right? Like you define policies and process that let's say a critical incident happened. What are those things that you need to do? And this falls a little bit into the, like, like I would say the security teams already have those things in place, right? Because of the compliance reasons that they do it. But I've never seen engineering teams focus on that, right? Let's say I get a log 4J, like engineering teams did not know what to do, right? I mean, then the whole thing came from security saying that, okay, you have to go and fix it. And then everybody sprints went haywire because now they are kind of fixing this and, and not something else because they did not have a process in place to kind of go and, and address those things, right? So having process in place where things not about like that just come out of, out of nowhere, but also like, how do you track it, right? Like, let's say you want to ask for an extension or you may want to kind of say that, hey, this is not something that we are going to use in production at all. So maybe it is okay that maybe we don't need to fix it, right? So maybe having processes defined about like what is important, what is not important, if this happens, what needs to be done. So then that thing is uniform across the company, across all your engineering teams and not just, a single engineering team doing whatever they feel like, right? So I know you asked me like a simple question, but the answer is is a little, little long, but but we need to do all these three things. And, and each of them have, I mean, we can, we just feel like the first layer, right? We can go into much, much more depth into understanding how we can go and, and you know, address these three things as well. But But that is, I would say, a good way to kind of, make sure that you can develop fast at, at the same time, develop with something which is secure. Absolutely, great. That was a, a full answer, I would say, to, to the question. And uh, there's a lot to unpack. And uh, what's interesting to me is uh, more uh, of, of the research that you recently did. But before we get into talking about that uh, developer research, uh, tell us a little bit, Harshit, about yourself and uh, about what you're trying to accomplish uh, at Tromza. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so before starting Tromzo, right, I I used to lead um, uh, data engineering products at Juniper Networks, right. So I was head of engineering, shipping all of the visibility products at Juniper Networks. Uh, um, pretty much every packet that you see on the internet, right, we were monitoring it in some forms, right. Like so, we uh, all our customers were telco providers like Doshi Telecom or Fujitsu. Uh, they were uh, basically using our tools to kind of make sure that their data centers run correctly and, and efficiently, right? And before that, I was the head of engineering for a startup called AppFormix, 
where we did OpenStack monitoring and capabilities around that, right? So all my life I've been like, uh, you know, either a, a software engineer developing software or managing a team of like really passionate engineers trying to build software, right? So I've, I've lived through this pain point of like how security would come in with a big hammer and, and be like, okay, do this, right? And, and the worst thing is that in the last few years, right, like customers got um, like more educated about security as well, right? So now if you ship software, which is like they can actually like go and scan for these things, right? Let's say you're shipping a, a container and they are able to scan that container, they will find all these vulnerabilities and they'll be like, dude, you shipped me something which is not secure, right? Like, how is that? Like, how, why would I deploy this in my network? And, and so now you started kind of, um, kind of scanning all of those as well as a preemptive thing. And, and then you can't go, and if you do that, you can't do it at the release time anymore, right? Because, because this becomes like too late in the life cycle. Right. And then you can't also like release noted. You can't say, oh, I have like 200 critical vulnerabilities, 500 highs. And yeah, I'm, I'm just release noting it. And customer will be like, no, I'm happy with what I have. I don't need your new features. Go and fix the security vulnerabilities first. Right. So, so it, those were like some of the interesting conversations um, I used to have back at Juniper. And I thought there has to be a better way to manage this. Right. And so we went out, me and my co-founder um, to kind of talk to like other security teams uh, in, in the Valley um, to kind of understand like how they were building some of these technologies and, and how they were managing risk, right? Because at the end of the day, you're managing risk, Like right? There's no software, like we're talking on Zoom. I'm pretty sure the Zoom application has a tons of vulnerabilities right now, right? But they are managing the risk, right? They are saying that, okay, this particular vulnerability cannot be accessed by uh, an attack vector because he cannot do X, Y, and Z, right? So, so their goal is to kind of manage that risk uh, but how do you do it efficiently and at scale is, is like all of these teams build software in-house to kind of manage that, right? And there was nothing out there in the market that we could see that we could kind of use. So we decided, let's start a company about it. Uh, we got like, uh, <clears throat> I would say 26 CISOs uh, from well-known companies like Coinbase to like Robinhood, uh, who joined us in this mission that yes, something like this is necessary. And, and then we were funded by Eric Schmidt's fund. Eric Schmidt is a former CEO of Google. Um, and so, so here we are um, and, and building this product and, and you know, driving the message through, through the community that there's something available today, like the tech is available today to kind of help, uh, you know, not only secure software, but also ship fast as well. Great. Yeah, so that brings us now to the voice of the modern developer. And right. that's the name of the the research uh, paper, we'll call it, that that you put together, uh, where you asked over 400 developers about baking security into development practices. Um, and for everyone listening, I will go ahead and put the link to that research, uh, uh, the blog post at least, in the notes of the show. So let's get right into this research. What was the idea behind it and what were you trying to accomplish and um, what were some interesting uh, findings? Yeah. So, um, you know, like as I was describing, we went and looked, talked to a bunch of security people in all these leading companies. And then once we started the company, we wanted to kind of really understand how deep is this problem, 
right? Like, um, and, and so we decided, okay, we're going to go and do a broader level search, right? Like not only look at tech companies, but look at other verticals as well, like in retail, <laughs> in healthcare and banking and so on and so forth. So we went and surveyed 400 developers and there were a few things which were obvious uh, that, that we knew, but it was good to kind of, you know, verify them uh, within within the results of the survey. And then there were some which were just outstanding. Oh my God, like this is much more worse than what I expected it to be, right? So some of the key findings that came out were like developers are fixing only 32% of the vulnerabilities, right? So basically, if I show this to my security team or any security team, they'll be astonished, right? Like, because now you are throwing away two thirds of the work that, that you were doing. So security team goes and finds these vulnerabilities and developers are saying, ah, no, nah, I'm not even fixing it, right? So, so it's, it's very, very, um, like I would say a noisy market, right? Like, and, and, and the other thing that came out was like a third of the overall vulnerabilities were also noise. Like, so, so we clearly need to do better at, at just the scanning capabilities as well. Like the scanners that come on coming out, they're not doing a good job with the, with with like what kind of reports that they are generating out of it, right? So we need to definitely do better from a tech perspective that that was kind of interesting. Um, the other interesting thing that came out was like 60%, 62% of the developers were using 11 or more tools uh, in their environment. So <clears throat> that just shows you today, like how complicated development has become, right? And, and so for, for people who, who want to understand what are these 11 tools, right? So, so let me describe like how, how a traditional app would look like, right? So let's say you, you, you are writing a, a simple app to kind of, let's say a grocery application, right? Like, so basically you can order groceries. So if you're a typical tech stack, um, let's say use, using a SQL database on, on Amazon, right? Because you don't want to, you don't know how to kind of configure a database, right? So you use something on RDS, let's you writing your own application, you use Django or some framework like that in Python, then you have a web interface and then a mobile interface. So on a web, you use React and on, on iOS, you will use Swift or something. Then you're using caching, so using Redis, right? So let's say this is your simple application. Now, if I have to make this application secure, I first need to go ahead and make sure that I'm running like a basic infrastructure scan, right? So, and, and just scanning the infrastructure code itself, right? So, so there are two scanners right there. One is a runtime scan and one is an infrastructure as code scan, right? So there are two tools already. Now you're managing all these keys of AWS and your database and like a lot of other things in your code. So then you need a secret scan. You're using all these dependencies like Django and React and all of those. And, and if you, you have developed anything on front end, you know how many dependencies Node.js can have, right? So, so then you have your dependency scanner. And, and so then there is the code that you write, like so you have a code scanner for that. Then you have API, so you have an API scanner for that. Right. So if you can keep on going like this, right, like you're shipping all of this in a container. So the container scan that you use using Kubernetes. So there's a Kubernetes scanner. Right. And then for every language that you use in your environment, there will be a scanner for that as well. Right. Because Go will have something else. Python will have something else. And every modern app will use at least three to four. So having 11 is not, um, I would say, an out of like 
something okay only few teams are using i think 11 has now become a norm right if you want to kind of do that now as a developer if i had to go and look at even 11 tickets on jira i would go mad right now just imagine i have 11 tabs out of security telling me that i have to do something about it there's no way that i'm going to be able to do it right so now there needs to be a layer on top of it which kind of becomes your system of record of of what those 11 tools are kind of doing that right and you have to solve that from a tech perspective before you can actually make decent process or decent progress over or what you're doing so that was like really really interesting that that people are already so neck deep into the tooling that they need to kind of make sure that that things are secure and and the other uh, tidbit that came out was that uh the primary challenge you know um was was like developers were not you know following through on the appsec program you know um so um and 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 this is not a problem i would say i mean this is a little bit more of a people and process kind of an issue where you know develop like security teams are doing all they can in their possible way but but developers are not reacting to it right they are not receptive to it right so uh so and we talked about it previously as well how you can kind of go and address some of those things but that also was one of the things that kind of came out right so that was kind of expected but like some of the other things that we talked about like 11 or more tools only one third vulnerabilities are getting fixed one third are noise were kind of a little bit more on the side that than what we had expected to find in the survey Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the about you said about 32% of vulnerabilities that are found are 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 fixed by developers and the rest of them are left alone uh or not fixed in a timely manner. Uh how would you really rank, you know, obviously we know that there are different ways of ranking vulnerabilities, you know, low, medium, high um and uh very severe so right. is there a better method for uh sort of weeding through the vulnerabilities and making sure that you know it it sort of makes life easier on the developers um to be able to react better uh to all those vulnerabilities that are found yeah absolutely i mean there is so like there are there are ways in which you can go ahead and and you know really uh ensure that that you can quickly go through some of those things right let's say so for example it's it's a challenge on the tooling as well right like a lot of security tools were initially developed to be addressed by security folks right so for example let's say you have like a decent deployment of like a over 500 servers and you're using let's say uh, a linux server on on all of like a linux operating system if there's a vulnerability it will report 500 findings for you on right right now the fix is going to be to upgrade like that one single package or something and you can easily do it on 500 machines like because you pretty much would have automated so uh, those things right now so then the goal is like how do you translate that and and make sure that you have a single ticket that addresses all of those things in in a in an efficient way right and so so then your priority becomes okay like how do i kind of look at all the vulnerabilities that i have in my system and prioritize them by understanding what is the true impact of this fix 
right? So if certain vulnerabilities may be localized and could be impacting only one server or one particular instance, whereas something could be fleet-wide, right? So you can then go ahead and prioritize and understand what is fleet-wide and you can kind of go and fix that. The other thing is, is around just the mitigation, right? Like some of, like you could have one package which is giving you 10 different kinds of vulnerabilities and all the fix for all of them is basically upgrading that package or, or, or like, you know, making sure that, that you don't use that package. So whatever that fix is or that mitigation is, you could actually group a bunch of vulnerabilities together and, and based on that, go ahead and just prioritize it, right? Uh, and, and, and kind of figuring out what you kind of need to do. But the most important thing, the reason I told you these two, because these were the, the kind of low hanging fruits, but the real thing that, that will solve most of your use cases is, is figuring out what are your crown jewels, right? Um, anything that happens in your crown jewels, and by crown jewels, I mean like, like your databases, right? Basically not everything that is getting stored, but like say you're storing any PI information, credit card information, or, or any of your main production services which are exposed to the internet or getting direct traffic from the internet, those are your crown jewels, right? So how do you kind of go ahead and protect those becomes really, really imperative. And kind of in your whole environment, understanding what those are, understanding what vulnerabilities exist from those, because even a medium on a crown jewel could become uh, critical for you. Right, because that medium is is just based on like a bunch of different vectors, right? Like they, they have a different definition of CVSS vector and things like that, which tell you like, okay, because of these combination of things that you can do those. And, and similarly, like you could have a critical, but it is no longer really applicable in your environment because that is only accessible through a network uh, attack vector. And in the way you're using that service, there's no clear path from the network to that service, right? Like it's not internet exposed. So, so you should be able to kind of figure these policies out and, and define these in your environment. And so the, the, what the tooling is telling you is, is one thing and it's giving you the criticals and the highs, but at the same time, you mix that, I would say operational data that is coming from the scanners with the runtime environment and the runtime context that you have within your environment, which is kind of unique to do, if you merge both of these together, then the result is what you get is your prioritized list, right? And that will help you solve those things. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to manage that risk. Like how do I protect my crown jewels from, from any vulnerabilities? Great, yeah. So and there's a lot to go through here. Um, what would you say are, are sort of like the 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 things that you came out with from the research that you did that really kind of opened your eyes that were like, wow, like these are really the items that, that we need to look at in a different way. Yeah. So, uh, so, so the main thing that kind of came out of, of the whole piece was that uh, there wasn't uh, enough automation uh, that that people were doing or taking uh, or thinking of doing from from just managing this data, right? For example, um, all of infrastructure and DevOps has been automated, right? In, in every environment. Um, earlier, back in the day, we used to have queue engineers. Uh, now, any 
development team i i mean if you any look at any modern development team at best they may have something called as sdet which is software development and test and the goal for them is also to kind of build out infrastructure for testing right but they are not no no longer writing those tests right so the goal is that everything has been automated away to a point where if you make some mistake in development it's caught right there and there but such a thing doesn't exist today like uh, i don't have a s- engineer who's doing software development in security like i don't have an sdes position today right uh, maybe it's not required maybe there's tooling that can do it but but i think the bigger problem that that is there today is that no customer is even using that or not a lot of people are putting in the time or hiring engineers right to kind of go and and build that within within the engineering team right security team is is a different like you can't expect the security team to be doing this right in some places where we see security team is is tasked to do this because they are not really software engineers right so they don't understand the code they don't understand what needs to happen there they can define policies they can define risk they can define compliance but to kind of make sure that that your software is actually secure you need automation and you need like workflows that are defined that that kind of notify you that kind of are there like your buddy that is always watching at you and and you know nudging you in the right direction so i think that is is what is the main thing which is i think really really missing in 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 today's world yeah absolutely that's uh seems you know really really like an interesting uh, point uh and something that probably requires even more uh in-depth uh understanding so that's really cool and i i assume that this is sort of uh, part of how you decided to build your product as well yeah absolutely right i mean our goal was that we wanted um tromzo to be used by both security and developers right because we fundamentally believe that everybody has a say in this and and if you just build a product for one and not the other uh it's it's going to be like a different version of where we are today but not a good version <laughs> right so we needed to get to a point where both of them have a say in in security uh security teams go and defines the risk and the policies and then the engineering team is able to consume and do the workflows on top of those right and all of it because as i said it needs to be automated away needs to be as policy as code right like because everything needs to be in git everything needs to be tracked and versioned and and you should be able to kind of have of course a nice ui and like with the all the low code no code uh, configuration so all of that is already baked in but the goal is that both of them combine together come together and and make sure that security is something that that is seamless within within the development life cycle great yeah i agree absolutely so uh last question that i'll ask uh which is one question that i ask to all my guests and that question is uh what is one or two things quick uh quick fire answer one or two things that you think developers can do right now uh to ensure uh security uh while they're developing but something that's not going to take too many you know cycles away from their work yeah absolutely so i think a couple of things that they could really do is just you know enroll themselves in some sort of security training right um because i feel 
not having um, uh, that awareness of of like what is secure, what are best practices, and what are not, because nobody teaches that in school, right? Like security is like unless you took that course specifically, most software developers are never go through that, and and they just learn through it on the job, which is fine. But getting some formal training today. Uh, maybe a one-hour workshop, right, of of any sorts would be would be really good. The second thing I would definitely say is that go and ask your security team, right? Like, what is the security posture, right? Because my fundamental belief is like, if you can't see something, you are never going to fix it, or you don't even know that something is broken, right? So your first realization should be like, what can I go and 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 what is the current landscape here? So that you kind of really understand where it is, and and um, and I would say that if your security team does not have that answer for you, then reach us, uh, reach out to us, right? We'll be able to kind of give you that visibility in in less than two hours. But uh, but yeah, like I think having that visibility will will redefine the way you look at security instantaneously, right? So a couple of things would be. Uh, Go and do some secure training. Get visibility into your product from security, and see how your life changes. Yeah, that's great, and that brings us to to like the whole idea of dev and ops, then DevOps, and now DevSecOps, right? So really being a part of a team and and making sure that you're sort of telling each other what's happening from your side, what's happening from your side, and putting it together and saying, okay, now we can sort of break it down into priorities and we can make sure that we have the right security and making sure our product is pushed out quickly. Right, absolutely. All right, fantastic. Harshit, thank you so much for your time. I had a really great one. uh, And uh, I think that we all learned a lot uh, from uh, this and research paper as well, which again, I'll link to in the description so that people can go ahead and have a look. Uh, And I hope to uh, follow up with you uh, in the future. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation here. And uh, yeah, looking forward to round two of this. Fantastic. Have a great one. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.